Good morning, Crossview Church. For those that don't know me, I'm Dan. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and it's good to be with you. Thank you, worship team, and thank you, Ashley, for reading that for us. Uh, Before I dive in, I just want to make a quick announcement. Um, Over the holiday break, uh, as I was thinking and praying, I just had this renewed interest, desire, passion for um, the the critical need of her men's ministry in our church and in churches around. And so I just want to highlight uh, to you men of Crossview Church to please come out this Saturday. Uh, we have a men's breakfast. It'll be here at 7 o'clock on the 12th. There's information in your bulletin. Uh, we'll be hearing a message from uh, James McDonald on video, Pastor James McDonald, as well as uh, some things that I want to share about men's ministry. So please, it'll be a pivotal time to really set your uh direction of your life for 2019. So I encourage you to do that. Also, I want to encourage you men to consider coming to our No Regrets Conference, which will be uh, February 1st. Uh, We do, if you haven't been familiar with that, the way it kind of works around here is we get here really, really early. At 4 a.m., we load into a coach bus, and we sleep on the way down. There's some talkers, right, Uh, as guys know. Uh, And then we get there, and we take in the conference, and then we uh, take the coach bus back. We're back about 7 o'clock. It's an amazing day of challenge and transformation, and so I encourage you all to uh, please do that. Chris Adams will be in the uh, cross-connectorum with a table. He'll answer questions he has. You can get tickets today or sign up for tickets and pay for them later, but please, uh, men, this will make a difference in your life spiritually and beyond, so please take advantage of doing these things. So thanks for that. So I'm finding that uh, I'm forgetting things more often than I normally did. And some of you are nodding like you identify, and the younger folks are pointing and laughing. All right, I get it. So, but I, I mean, it's happening pretty crazy. I uh, was in my desk, and I, know I needed something in the workroom. So I got up, I left my office, I went to the workroom, and I got to the workroom, and I had no idea why I was there. What, did I, what was I even coming for? Uh, it didn't register. still hasn't registered. I was like, okay, I guess I didn't need it that bad. I came back. Well, there's a couple that was having the same thing, and they went to a doctor, actually, because they wanted to get checked out, make sure everything was okay. And the doctor checked them all out and said, yep, everything's fine. Uh, you know, you may want to just consider writing things down more. You know, it's just kind of a natural thing that happens, and you may want to just start writing things down. And so, they said, okay, and they left, and they went to their home, and after dinner, they're watching TV, and the husband gets up uh, during TV and says, I'm going to go get something to eat, and uh, the wife says, hey, if you're going to go to the kitchen, will you do me a favor? Will you please bring me back some ice cream? And he says, sure, and she goes, um, you know, maybe you should write that down. And he's like, ha, 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 yeah, very funny. No, I'll remember the, I will remember the ice cream. And she said, well, no, you know, um, you should write it down because not, I just, it's not just ice cream, but I like ice cream with whipped cream on it. You think you put some whipped cream on it? It's like, yeah, I can do that, and I don't need to write it down. And she said, well, it's not just that. You should, probably should write this down because not only do I want ice cream with whipped cream, I'd love to have some strawberries on top. You know, can you put some strawberries on there? And he said, I got it. Don't worry about it. So he went into the kitchen, and after a little while later, he comes back, and he uh, walks in, and he has a plate of eggs and bacon. And he gives it to her, and she looks at it and says, where's my toast? I told you. Some of you got it. All right. Sometimes we laugh at the funny things we forget, but sometimes forgetting something can be tragic, right? And what I want to talk about today is that I think in a lot of ways at church, we can forget what we're all about. We forget what the church is about, what we're here for, what we're uh, supposed to be doing, and 
When that happens, it's a tragedy. And I think it happens far too often. And so what I get to talk about this morning as we kick off 2019 that I'm excited about is who are we as Crossview Church? What are we going to be about? How do we stay focused on this? And I'm going to share something that uh, the elders and staff, some of us have been working on for the last four or five months, and I'm really excited, and we're kind of calling this our DNA as Crossview Church. This is who we are. This is who we're going to aspire to become. And I think this is so critically important that we know this and that we live this because there's so many competing voices out there, and when the church buys into all these competing voices of what it's supposed to be, and it's different than how God intended it to be, then one of the greatest sources of hope for the eternity is distracted and almost shut down. And the stakes are so incredibly high that as a church we have to remain focused on what God wants us to be about. So if you have a Bible, I encourage you to open it to Acts chapter 2. We're going to be looking at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. If you are new to the Bible, the way you get to Acts is you just open in the middle, turn to the right, you'll get to the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then you'll see Acts, and stop with the big number 2, and we'll be looking at verses 42 to 47 that Ashley read for us. What we're seeing in this text is the first Christian church established. So Jesus came, he died, he went to the cross, he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and now the apostles are going forward in their mission under the power of the Holy Spirit to declare the gospel. Peter just preaches, and 3,000 people were saved, and now they're becoming Christians. It's the, the genesis or the beginning of the Christian church, and what's amazing is this happened 2,000 plus years ago, and here the church of Jesus Christ is still in existence that tells us two things. One, tells us God is incredibly faithful to his church and will preserve his church and make sure his church continues. The other thing it tells us is this church was built on the right foundations. It was built the, on the right foundations to be sustained for the long haul. And what I love is our DNA and who we want to be, as we're going to see, it falls into line with these foundational principles that God called the church to be. And so we're going to dive in and look at that. Before I dive into our DNA, I want to talk first about two things our name and our mission. The name Crossview Church, I love the name of our church because what it signifies is that we live life in view of the cross. Because of what Jesus Christ did for us, we can stand in the mercy and the forgiveness of God. And when that truth and that reality and that love penetrates our heart, it changes how we live. And then we can live a life of honor and glory to him because of what we've received in terms of grace and mercy and power. It's the gospel. And I love that our name captures that. I could probably do a whole sermon on our name. Maybe one day I'll do that because I just love what it, it grabs and what it shows and what it points to. The other thing is our mission. Our mission, as Jen said, is to love God, love others, and serve the world. That's what we want to be about. That's what we do. That's our actions. If you're going to follow Jesus Christ, that's the mission of every Christian. A Christian should want to love God and worship him, love others, and serve the world. Um, our mission is very, very important. It's important that a church has a very clear mission. And to me, that's huge for us. However, there's something I think that's even a little bit more important than mission. You see, mission talks about what we're going to do. And we need to have that focus. We need to be about what we're going to do. But DNA talks about who we are. You know, it's possible to do the right things, but have the wrong heart behind it. And so what I want to talk about this morning is the DNA of Crossview Church. Who are we? 
Who are we going to become? Who are we going to grow into? And that's what I want to look at. And I'm really excited. And some of these things, as we go through them, you'll say, yeah, that is. That's Crossview Church. Some of them you're going to say, wow, we still have some growing to do in that one. And that's okay because, do you know what? We're not even two years old yet. Isn't that crazy? We're just, it seems like God's done a lot in a year and a half, but we're still growing, and just like a child, we're developing and we're moving into these things. But all of these five statements that mark our DNA come out of Scripture, and they're very, very important. If you want to flip to the back of your bulletin to take notes, you can. I'll be, write, I'll be giving them as you can write those down. But there's a statement on the back of the bulletin that's kind of the umbrella statement that these five DNA statements are going to fall underneath. And the umbrella statement is that we at Crossview Church are a transforming community. We are a transforming community. See, at Crossview, we never want this to be a place where you just come in and sit and get information and then you leave and it makes no difference in your life the next moment or the day after. We never want this to be a place where you come in and you make church kind of segmented in your wheel of life, that you have your work life, your family life, and your neighborhood life, and then church is kind of the side, and you move. That's not our intention. We want you to be transforming into the image of Jesus Christ. That's what God called you to do. When you are a Christian, you are called to become a reproducing disciple, a disciple that makes disciples, that makes disciples, that makes disciples. That's the calling that he lays out to anyone who comes and follows him. And as a church, we want to be about fostering that. We don't want this to be information. We want it to be transformation. We want it to be intentional. I've been in places in Christian circles where we just get all this information. We get more and more Bible verses, which Bible's a great thing. We're going to talk about that in a minute. We get more and more information, but it doesn't go deep to transformational level. And I want Crossview Church to be a place where we are all transforming into the image of Jesus Christ. We are becoming more and more of who he's called us to be and who he wants us to be. Not only are we transforming, but we're a community. We're going to do this together, arm in arm. God has never intended the Christian life to be led in isolation alone. But it's with others that we walk this out. Because when we're walking with others and we let others in and they let us us in and in love, we see each other and we have desire the same for each other, the best for each other. We can call each other out on things. And we can say, do you see what God is doing in your life here? And it can foster that transformation. And so we are a transforming community. Every church should be a transforming community. And I'm excited to say that that's the umbrella statement. We are a transforming community that's marked by five things. And I want to talk through those five things right now. First of all, um, let's look at the passage of Scripture, verse 42, Acts 2, 42. It lays it out, first, number one here, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Number one is biblical teaching. Biblical teaching. We are going to be a people across your church marked by biblical teaching. This word devoted there means continuously being devoted to. It's an active word. It means they haven't arrived yet, but they're continually devoting themselves to these five things. And these are the things that we want to be continuously devoting ourselves to as well. These people came, 3,000 people, boom, they're saved. So now what does the church do? What do the apostles teach them? 
The Bible wasn't written then. They didn't have a copy of their Bible. So what did they do? Well, the Old Testament was, and so they teach them the Old Testament. The apostles would also teach them what Jesus said and what Jesus taught. The apostles would teach them things that would become this book that we look at. You see, they had a hunger for God's word. They had a hunger to be taught by God what he required of them. You know why? Because they wanted to honor God with their lives. They wanted to know, God, how do you want us to live now that you saved us from our sin, now that you've given us grace, now that you've given us mercy? How do you want us to live? And the apostles instructed them, and so the Bible does that for us. It tells us how we are supposed to live our lives. And so this is going to have to be a place, the church needs to be a place where biblical truth is held in highest value. We're going to hold the Bible in high regard. You know, you've heard me say this before, and I'll say it again. If there's ever a time you're coming across your church and you're not hearing biblical teaching consistently, and instead you're hearing human wisdom or human ideas, then leave this church and go find a church that's going to teach you the Bible. Because the Bible is God's inherent word. It's God's inspired word. It's what he intended us to know of him and how we are to live. When he wanted to reveal who he was, he did it through a book. And he says, and here's how you are supposed to live. And so everything at Crossview Church is going to be built upon this book. Our children's ministry is going to be built upon this book where kids are going to learn Scripture and so they can hide it in their heart that's going to affect them when they grow. Our youth ministry is going to be about this book so that when they're encountering the difficulties of life, they can have a source of truth that will stand there. Our elder board is going to make decisions based upon this book that when we're looking at what we should do in different places, we're going to be instructed by this book. We're not just going to read this book. This book's going to read us. And it's going to call out stuff. It's going to bring conviction of sin. It's going to bring areas that God's going to say, you know what, I want you to be done with that lesser thing and do this. It changes and shapes you and molds you as a people. That's why we hold this book in highest esteem. And so we're going to be about biblical teaching. I'm going to, in our next few weeks, I'm excited about some series that we're going to uh, lay out about how to grow as a Christian. I'm giving two full weeks to why we look at this book. And so that's coming in a few weeks. But biblical teaching is one of the DNA statements of who we are at Crossview Church. The next one is merciful fellowship. Merciful fellowship. I love this one. To be at Crossview Church means we are going to be about merciful fellowship. Look at verse 42 again. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. Now jump down to 46. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple, and they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. There was this community that was happening, that was being born, this, this uh, fellowship that was taking place. Now when we hear the word fellowship, because of, if you've been around a church at any length of time, if you haven't been around a church and you're kind of here today and you haven't had much of a church background, in some ways you're blessed because you don't have all these connotations that color things that some of us have been around churches for a while do. When we think fellowship and you've been around a church for a while, we think potlucks, right? There has to be food. There has to be something. We all gather. And that's all good stuff, but it's not what the Bible's talking about when it says fellowship. The, the Bible's talking about fellowship. The first time this word is used here is the first time it's used in the New Testament. It means common sharing or sharing that what you have in common. And so to fellowship with other Christians means that we come in here and we share what we have in common with one another. It means that we share not only our resources, because the Bible says when you become a Christian, you no longer own anything. When you become a Christian and you give allegiance to Christ and you follow Jesus, it's no longer your money. It's his money. It's no longer your car. It's his car. 
It's no longer your house. It's his house. You no longer own anything because Apostle Paul says even when he became a Christian, he called himself a slave of Christ. And that's the right term of what it looks like. So you no longer own these things. So we now, everything's on the table to be shared. Everything's on the table as God would direct you to do so. You steward those things. But it's not just resources. You share not only resources, you share your heart. You share your life. There's a commonality. In, in merciful fellowship, two people come together, and you share your heart, and you invite someone else into your life, and you share lives with one another. See, that's the picture of what the church should be, and that's what I want us to be about here. Where else are you going to get this in this world? Listen to this statement. Where else are you going to get a group of people who want to follow God and love God, who unselfishly have your best interest in mind, who share their life with you so that you become all that God intended you to be. Did you catch that? A group of people who love God and want to know God, who unselfishly have your best interest in mind, who share their life with you so that you become all that God called you to be. Where else are you going to find that in the world today? You're not because God called that to be part of his church, and that's what makes us different. But it's not just a fellowship. It's a merciful fellowship. And what I love about it is a merciful fellowship says you can come as you are and be accepted. It do not have to be perfect here. We are a bunch of people here at Crossview Church. You know, someone kind of came up to me and said, you know, when I first came here, I realized after you get to know people, we're kind of like the land of misfit toys. And I said, yeah, I guess you're right. We kind of are, you know. We are people who struggle. We are people who are trying to get all that God has for us. And we're walking in his mercy and we're walking in his grace. We are a group of people that come and say, you know, we are in process to follow Jesus, and you don't have to be perfect. In fact, we prefer no perfect people allowed because no perfect people exist. And so it's like this is a place where you can come, and you don't have to put on a mask to be perfect. You can be who you are in your struggle, and we're going to accept and love you, and we're going to create this environment of grace and love and mercy for you to grow out of that into all that God wants you to be. But the first step is you come in here, you can have grace and mercy extended to you. And we all need that. I love this phrase I heard recently. Someone said, the church is a group of pardoned rebels following God. Pardoned rebels. That's who we are, right? You know, the Bible says every human being is a rebel against God and what he wants. And when you come to faith in Jesus Christ and you live your life for him, now you walk under his forgiveness and you are a forgiven rebel that's here to walk with him. And that's who we are. That's what merciful fellowship is. It's a beautiful thing. Merciful fellowship can be extended practically, too. Do you know that? And do you know that all of you can do that? Every single one of us can partake in extending merciful fellowship practically. I'm going to give you two examples of what I mean. One, there's a very dear friend of mine who's a member of our body who's here, and he always inspires me in a lot of different ways. But one of the things that he does is he says, you know, I I come and I I meet with people, but then I try to do, I try my best And sometimes I don't hit it, but most Sundays I do. I try to go find one person I don't know and introduce myself to them. And this person does. I watch them, and they do. They go up and they say, hey, you may not know me. I'm Dan. What's your name? Hey, welcome to Cross You. Have you been coming here lately? What's going on? And it just welcomes people. Can you imagine if every single one of us had that attitude? That we're going to come here, yeah, you're going to be with family and friends, but we're going to break out of that, and if there's somebody we don't know, we're going to go up and introduce ourselves. It's very easy. All you have to do is say, hi, my name is Dan. And they'll tell them your name, and you can have a conversation. 
You don't have to buy them lunch. You don't have to give them money. You don't, it's very easy right there. Just introduce yourself. If we all introduced ourselves to someone we don't know, it'd be an amazing thing. And it's an act of extending that fellowship. It's an act of saying, welcome to the family. It's an act of saying, you can be who you are here and it's okay. And you know, I know there's a lot more than just this one person doing that in this group because at Crossy Church, a lot of you do this already because when I meet new people, often what they tell me is, well, when I came in, I knew that person, then I knew that person, and then I didn't know this person, but they came up and introduced themselves to me, and that person introduced themselves to me, and it makes such a huge difference. You know, I, I realized when I shared the second part in the uh, first service that this is kind of a sermon of showing how much I'm a mess. Not only am I forgetting things, but I also get lost a lot. I just do. I get lost a lot. And so I was uh, at a conference a couple years ago in Minneapolis, this big, huge hotel, and I got on the elevator and I hit the wrong button and it went down. And I went like into the inner bowels of this skyscraper in Minneapolis. I didn't know what was going on. The doors open. There's this concrete cinder block wall. And I was like, whoa, I am definitely not where I need to be. And then I looked and there was this huge sign that was in the that was on this concrete wall. And I was in an, I found out later I was kind of in an employees-only area. But there's this huge sign on this concrete wall that said, remember the 15-5 rule. Remember the 15-5 rule. I thought, that's interesting. And so then I got back in. I hit, finally figured out where the lobby is. I got to the lobby. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to ask somebody this. So I went to the front desk. And I said, hey, um, what's the 15-5 rule? And I think they thought, like, I was from corporate or something, just trying to test them or whatever. And the guy said, oh, that's easy. Uh, we have a rule that when you come within 15 feet of a guest, you will always acknowledge them by either a wave or a nod or something like that. And when you come within five feet of a guest, you'll always introduce yourself and say who you are and hello. I thought, that's incredible. And you know what? So the rest of that time there, I tested it out. And I'm like walking out 15 in, and it worked. They did it, and they did it. 15-5. I thought, wouldn't it be amazing if our, we did that at Crossview Church? What if at Crossview Church, if you're within 15 feet of a person, and they're alone, and you're alone, you're going to recognize them, acknowledge they're here, say hi, and if you're in five feet of them, you're going to greet them. Why? Because it's a mark of merciful fellowship. It's about who we are. It's about loving one another. The next one is devoted prayer. Look at verse 42 again. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. At Crossview Church, I want us to be a people who are marked by prayer. Now, are we there yet? I don't think so. We do this a lot, but man, I want to see it increase. I really want us to become a people of prayer. A people who go before God, and prayer isn't just talking to God. Prayer is being with God, being in his presence. And when you go before God and you're with him, you're acknowledging that you need him. There's a spiritual cancer that's infecting churches all over our country. And they're dropping like flies. And the cancer, the spiritual cancer, is as potent and disastrous as regular physical cancer. And the cancer that's going and spreading throughout churches across the United States is this idea that we can do this thing called church in our own strength, in our own wisdom, in our own talents. And when we rely upon ourselves to do all of our programs and all of our outreach and all the things we want to do, it's a cancerous thing. Because what happens is God says, okay, and he just sits and watches and he lets us go through our whole motions and do all these things that on our own strength. And we almost forget what we're about or that he is even there. 
You see, I think God is calling us to do things that are bigger than ourselves. I think God is calling us to do those things that we're afraid of. I think God's calling us, things, calling us to do those things that we say, I don't want to have any part of that because I don't think it can happen. And God's saying, yeah, you're right. It can't happen with you. But if you would partner with me and if you would get on your knees and beg for me to move, you'd be amazed at what I do. You'd be blown away about what I want to be about. And I want us across your church to be a church that gets down on our knees and we don't pray safe little prayers. We pray big, impossible prayers to God. There's nothing wrong with praying things that are safe. I get, don't read me wrong in this. But if all of our prayers are things like bless this food and help me today and do, that's great. But God's calling us to pray prayers that are huge. Like, God, will you bring thousands of people in this city to know who you are? God, will you take this person who has cancer and will you heal them of this cancer? Well, what if it doesn't happen? Don't worry about it. Just go before God and ask him to do it. You know why this is important? Because I think God is a loving father. I think he loves it when his children come to him and pray big, huge prayers that we have no business praying. Because you know why? It tells him that we know who he is. And it tells him that we know who we are. And it tells him that, God, unless you move and do this amazing thing, we are done. We cannot do this. Jesus said, apart from him, we can do nothing. And, if there's, and not only is that true in life, it is so true in the church. There is nothing we can do apart from God. So we must become people devoted in prayer. I'm so excited about the week before Easter, we're actually going to kind of close the doors on the church programs. We're not going to have youth ministry that week. We're not going to have life groups that week. There's no classes that week. And what we're going to do is every night that during that week, there's going to be a prayer and worship meeting right here where we're going to prepare our hearts for Easter and say, God, we're pausing all the activity of the church to say, you and you alone are what matters. And we want to be with you. And if it wasn't for you, if it's not for you, we are done at Crossview Church. Will you please move? That's what we want to be about. We want to grow into being people of prayer, people who are marked by people who run to God quickly with these big, huge, impossible prayers. You know, there was, uh, when I first came to Woodlands Church as the youth pastor in 2000 uh, in Plover, it was pretty amazing because I would sit at my desk and then I'd leave and I'd come back and all of a sudden I'd see a quarter on my desk. I knew I didn't put it there and I thought, huh, that's kind of weird. The first time I thought, oh well, and I just put it in my pocket and moved on. And, and then I go to my mail spot. You know, we have mail slots and all of a sudden I see a quarter in my mail slot. I thought, that's weird. And then we'd have a youth event, and I'd get on the bus for a youth event, and I'd go to my seat where I'm getting ready to sit, and there'd be a quarter right on my seat. I'm like, that's strange. And then they were crazy enough to let me preach on a Sunday morning, and so I went up to the pulpit on Sunday morning, and I started to open my Bible, and I looked, and there's a quarter sitting on the pulpit. I said, boy, this is strange. I went to our staff meeting. I said, man, I don't know. Someone's leaking quarters like a sieve. And they're like, what are you talking about? I said, there's quarters like everywhere. Like I, I find them in my desk. I find them and I can realize they're looking at me like I'm from another planet. They're like, what? I don't know what you're talking about. None of them knew what I was talking about. Then all of a sudden I go out to my car and right as I'm getting to open the car door, I look and on top of my roof, there's a little quarter sitting right there. And I'm like, what in the world's going on with these quarters? And then maybe about a couple months as this kept going, all of a sudden I was at my desk and this guy walks in and he digs it into his pocket, and he pulls out a quarter, and he slaps it right on my desk. And I said, you're the quarter guy. What in the world? What is going on? I'm finding these quarters all over. What's the deal with the quarter? 
And he said, let me tell you about the quarter. He said, every time you see a quarter, and this was a guy who worked on the railroad. He worked nights, night shift, many years on the railroad. He said, here's the deal with a quarter. Anytime you see a quarter, anywhere in your life, I want you to know I took another quarter and I put it inside my boot. And when I walk the rail that night at work and I feel that quarter banging around on my foot, I pray for Pastor Dan. What a gift. And I needed that. I so need that. We so need that. Let us become people of prayer who prioritize it and put it above all things. And we pray, God, would you make Crossview Church what you want it to be? All this stuff that we say that we're going to do, it's all just not nonsense unless you come and do what you want to do. And we're putting all of our chips in you. We're putting all that we have in you, saying, God, unless you come through and move, we're wasting our time. We don't, we're not done playing church. We just want to be with you. What an amazing thing. Oh, man. Next one is living worship. Living worship. In this text, we see a picture of living worship. Look at verses 43 to 47. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. Praising God. Living worship was coming forward. I love it when we come and gather Sunday morning. We encounter the presence of God and our worship team is called to lead us into that. They do such an amazing job. I'm so grateful because we need to come in here and be encountering God. We need to be worshiping him. But it just doesn't stop there. It's not the encountering God on Sunday mornings. Living worship means that we live lives of surrender and obedience to God because of who he is. It means that we, the way we think, the way we act, the way we speak, what we do reflects back on who God is. You see, worship means to be captivated by the majesty and the awe and the beauty and the power of God in such a way that it wrecks us and ruins us. In such a way that we can't do anything else but to say, God, I have to reflect you back because of how amazing you are. See, that's living worship. Living worship isn't just coming to church and crossing the the T and dot in the I and checking the box and saying, yeah, it was here. Living worship is when you come in here and you encounter God to the point that it affects your life, that when you leave here, you're going to live a life worshiping him in all that you do, how you act in your family and in your home, how you act at work, what you're going to be about. See, that's living worship. Living worship is leading a life of obedience and surrender where in both your public life and your private life, It captivates what you think about, what you say, what your actions. It means we don't live out of fear. It means we don't live out of trying to gratify ourselves personally. It means we don't live out of selfish ambition. It means we live to make him known that he is glorified and that he is exalted and that everything in our lives points directly to him. You see, that's living worship. It's a life of surrender. In a Crossview Church, we're calling all of you to be people who live out worship in a way that's alive. You see, we have 
merciful fellowship, come as you are and be accepted in love, but then you encounter God and we help you to walk out and be transformed to live in living worship. You see, there's both sides to that here, and that's what we want to be about. Living worship is a life of holiness, obedience, and reflection to God because of his grace and his power in our life. And finally, number five, we want to be people of intentional outreach. Intentional outreach. Look at the end of verse 47 again. They're praising God, enjoying the favor of all people. And that's an important part of outreach, enjoying that favor of all people. And every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. There was a consistent thing happening. The consistent thing happening was the church was sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and people were being saved and transformed and changed. See, that's what hap- That's a healthy church. That's what God called us to be in at Crossview Church. If we're going to reflect these things, we need to be a church that's intentional about outreach. And it's involved in both building bridges of relationship with our community and people in our city and people in our lives, but then also sharing the gospel with them. You know, I've said this before that I want to get us to a point where if Crossview Church, God forbid, ever had to shut the doors and we are no more, the city would weep that we weren't here because we were reflecting who Jesus was. We were reflecting his love. Now, does that mean we ever compromise and do things? No, we hold to our biblical convictions. That's why we have biblical teaching. But we can do that as we walk that out. We can do that in a way that's gracious. It's a way that's powerful. And I want us to do that. We want to bless this city. We want to be the church that loves the city of Wisconsin Rapids and the surrounding area. And we want to be the church that blesses that city going forward. You know, we talked to you about the Mercy Fund. And we said how at the end of the year we do this end-of-year gift that's usually outside our normal budget, that we want to bless something outside our normal budget. So previous years we looked at Bolivia, and intentional outreach isn't just local, it's also global, right? We want to be a part of that too. But this year we were focusing locally, and we said we want to have this mercy fund so that we can fund projects and people and things happening in our city that's going to help transform our city to be all that God wants it to be. And so we said we want to have this fund to be able to do this. And we laid it out. And when I announced the Mercy Fund, I had a good friend who is from our church pull me aside and say, you know, we should have had like a thermometer or something. Like, what's the goal? You just kind of threw out there and said, give. You didn't really have this goal. And I said, you know, that's a really good point. We should have did something like that. And, but I didn't. But we should have. We should have did something like that. And so I just, but I did throw out a goal of like $20,000. It would be great if we had $20,000 that we can steward well, We're going to steward it well. We're going to make wise decisions about where we put this money. But the money will be used to bring the gospel to our city. And I am blown away, as I am often blown away by you people here at Crossview Church, by your amazing generosity. And when we lay something out, you just nail it because you want to go after God with all your heart. Do you know how much we raised in our mercy fund this year, this end of year gift? We didn't raise $20,000. We raised $47,000 to be put towards our city. Isn't that amazing? You guys blow me away. Now we have $47,000 that we can wisely be about blessing the city that we live in. And when we hear all the negative things about our city and how there's all this, and we need to be the people of God that say, you know what? No, I love this city. And God has a purpose for this city. And we're going to bring the gospel and love of Jesus Christ to the city, and it's going to transform. You know, I'm amazed. Sometimes in our city, all you have to do is be positive and smiling, and you can make a difference for Jesus Christ. 
See, this city needs Jesus. We all do. And this city is actually, actually right where we all were before we encountered him. And so that's what we're going to be about. It's going to be an exciting thing. But it's not just about building relationships with the city and doing good things in the city. We have to share the gospel with our words. We have to build relationships, but then we need to tell people that unless you give your life to Jesus Christ and place your faith and trust in him, when you die, you'll be separated from him. The only way you go to heaven, the only way you spend eternity with Jesus Christ is by giving him your life, by repenting and believing and coming into a relationship with him. That's your only hope at death is what you did with Jesus. See, that's the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus died for our sins on the cross, but to take advantage of that, we must come to him and repent and give our lives to him. And then what his righteousness covers us and we're forgiven and we can go know that we, when we live, when we die, we'll be with him forever in heaven. See, we have to tell people that. There's a, another cancer in the church that's going out and it's kind of pulling a back from this message. Let's not talk about sin. Let's not tell people that they need to, to pre- repent. Let's not talk about people, not tell people what Jesus did. And you know what? We can't go down that road, gang, because we have to tell people the truth. The most unloving thing you can do is know the truth that's laid out in this book about what's going to happen when a person dies and not tell them because you're worried you're going to offend them. It's the most unloving thing you can do. And people are in this little fake game where they think, well, if we don't talk about those things, that's more loving. Let's be more lo-. No, that's not. That's, that's, that's hatred. How dare you hold back news that a person needs to know the only way they're going to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ, and you're going to hold that back because you don't want to talk about their sin or you don't want to talk about the fact that they may have to change their life and repent? That's nonsense. If they knew what was coming and they knew what was awaiting them at death, they would change now if they knew what was happening. But if we don't tell them, how are they going to know? We have to be about doing this. Intentional outreach is not just giving money, though that's a great thing. Intentional outreach is getting in someone's face and saying, hey, i got to tell you the truth. Here's what's happening. You need to know. Do you know what? I've done a ton of funerals, and I can tell you people are afraid to die. You don't have to be afraid to die because of what Jesus Christ did. But it's going to cost you something. You have to turn your life over to him. You have to make him Lord of Lords and King of Kings. You have to go before him and say, God, I repent, and I believe in who you are. Will you enter my life and change me? And then you begin this amazing relationship following him. You're going to have to do that. But that's the only way in, but that's the truth. We can't sacrifice that so people like us. We can't love them into hell. When you become a follower of Christ, he places that heart into you, and it changes your world, just like it did this little nine-year-old boy named Austin. I love this story that this mom tells of her nine-year-old boy named Austin Austin went in to have his tonsils removed. So he had to have surgery, so he was nervous about what was going to happen. And an anesthesiologist came in to start an IV for Austin to get things going. And he was wearing this cool surgical hat, cap with frogs on it. And Austin loved the, the frog hat. And when the doctor started to leave, Austin said, Hey, wait. And called out to him. The doctor said, Yeah. And he said, Do you go to church? And the doctor said, no, but I probably should. And Austin said, well then, are you saved? Are you following Jesus Christ? Nine-year-old boy. 
And doctor kind of was nervously chuckling and said, no, but maybe after talking with you, Austin, maybe that's something I should think about. And Austin said, well, you should because Jesus is awesome. I'm sure he is, little guy, the doctor said, and he made his way quickly out of that room. And when Austin's surgery was finished, that same doctor came to his mom and he said to his mom, Mrs. Blissett, I don't normally make it a point to come out and talk to parents. That's not my role in the surgery team. Someone else does that, but I just had to tell you what your son did. And she said, uh-oh. What did that little rascal do now? And the doctor said, no, no, no. Just as I was putting the mask on Austin, just as we were getting ready to put him under, he said, wait, wait, wait. We have to pray. And so the doctor said, okay, Austin, you go ahead. You can pray. And Austin said, okay, let's pray. He said, dear Lord, please let all the doctors and nurses have a good day. And Jesus, please let the doctor with the frog hat get saved and start going to church. Amen. And the doctor said, I was so waiting to hear him pray. God, help me not be afraid. God, help the surgery to go well. God, take away all my fear. But in that moment, Mrs. Blissett, your son prayed for me. He prayed for my heart, and it blew me away. And I just wanted to tell you what kind of son you have. And he walked out. And then two nurses came in with smiles on their faces, and they said, we got to tell you something. We go to church in town. It's a really great church, and we've been praying for that doctor for a long time. And we've been telling him about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we've been telling him how you should go check out this church. And he's kind of just said, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then after the surgery, he came up to us and said, hey, what time are your services Sunday morning? I think I need to go check that out. Because the nine-year-old boy had a heart of Jesus. See, that's what we have to be about as a church. We have to be about intentional outreach. When you become part of Crossview Church, and some of you are here visiting, you're checking it out, some of you are all in, no matter where you're at on the spectrum, when you become part of Crossview Church, we're not going to call you to just adding a little bit of Jesus into your life. We're calling you to be radically followers of him, where he shapes every part of your world, family, work, neighborhood, friends, everything, and you follow him with all you got. And when you do that, your life begins to mirror these things, biblical teaching, merciful fellowship, living worship, devoted prayer, intentional outreach. That's what we want to be about. So how do we grow in these things? Two quick things and then I'm done. First of all, I think you should take these things that we just listed, biblical teaching, merciful fellowship, devoted prayer, living worship, and intentional outreach. If you didn't keep notes in the back, if you open up the bulletin, they're there on the top left. They'll be there for a long time. Take this thing and begin praying that we as Crossview Church grow in these things. You know, we need God, as we said. Bring been praying, God, will you make us a people that are biblical, full of biblical teaching, that take your word and hold it, hold it to the highest regard we can. Will you make us people who are merciful in fellowship? Will you make us people who are devoted in prayer, who are living out worship, and who are intentionally being out, or reaching out to our neighbors? Pray these things and pray them for yourself as well. The way we do this as a community is you begin to do it individually, and then it becomes real, right? And so pray these things that it happen. The second thing you can do 
And this is hot off the press. This was decided Friday at about 5 o'clock in the evening, so it's not in the bulletin. It was not one of our announcements. It's kind of just off the cuff. Um, on Saturday, January 19th, and Sunday, July, January 20th, we have a guest speaker coming in. He's one of the vice presidents of our denomination. His name's Fritz Dale. He's an amazing guy. And he teaches a course. I've gone to it a couple times, and it's helped me so much. And the course is called Living Intentionally by Guarding Your Heart. And what it's about is how do you live your life in a way where you guard that place where you and God commune together and are together and you walk out your world, but you keep that priority of living with God there. He teaches you how to do that. It's fantastic stuff. And he's going to do that here at Crossview Church, Saturday, January 19th, from 8.30 to 11.30. We're going to start with a breakfast, and then he's going to dive into this, and you're going to want to be a part of that. It's going to set your life in a direction towards God for 2019. And I believe he's going to teach you things that you can cultivate that will go beyond this year that will help you as a follower of Jesus Christ live out these things in the world that you live in. I know I need it. You need it. Make it a point. We're going to be talking about it more next week as well. But Saturday the 19th, be here at 8.30 to take this course. I think it's going to be really, really important. With that, we want to be people that grow in these things, right? I hope that when you hear me talk about this stuff, you resonate with an amen. And if not, that's okay too. Just keep coming and checking it out and see what God does. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we stand amazed as pardoned, forgiven rebels at your grace and your love. We thank you that who you are and what you've called us to. We thank you that you accept us in your mercy, in your grace, in your love, but you love us enough not to keep us there, that you inspire us to empower us by your Holy Spirit to live lives that reflect who you are and what you're calling us to. And so, God, we ask that you would take these things that we say we want to be about, and would you empower them with your Holy Spirit so that it's not just a a bunch of words in a bulletin, that it's not just a a sign on a wall that's not just something that we revisit every now and then, but that we really, truly live these out. I ask that you would forgive us for the places we haven't, and I ask as we look to a new year that you would really mark us by these things, that we'd be a transforming community marked by these things. And so we ask and beg for this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.